It is Friday, February 9th, 2024, and this is Ozarks at Large. I'm Kyle Kellams. Today, rethinking our relationship with technology and its relationship with art. We wanted to sort of think about what does technology look like as something native to art as opposed to something being brought in. But then how can we turn that round and look at those modern technologies in that ancient spirit? Plus a coalition working toward making childcare in Arkansas more affordable and more available. So if you look at someone making the median hourly wage in Arkansas, which is about $18 a year, they would have to spend about a third of their income just to cover, um, I mean, of their wages just to cover care for their for their infant or toddler. And time together, well spent. He'd come by every day and start a conversation. So that's how we, nine years ago, how we started hitting it off, hitting it off, and it was just fun. First, the news from NPR. Theater Squared presents What the Constitution Means to Me, Heidi Schreck's reimagining of how this living document impacted four generations of women and what it means for the future of America. A New York Times critic's pick and a Pulitzer Prize finalist. This play is on stage through March 3rd, 777-7477 or theater2.org for tickets. This is Ozarks at Large for Friday February 9th, 2024, I'm Kyle Kellams, Ozarks at Large, a production. 91.3 KUAF, a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. Most Fridays, including this one, we begin with a conversation with Michael Tilley from Talk Business and Politics. He's in his Fort Smith office. Michael, I know that you don't like warm weather as much as I do, but you got to admit, this was a pretty decent week. You're one of those sick folks who is not happy until it's over 90 degrees. That That's not – that's hot. So this is fine. Okay. Yeah, these All 60s right. and 70s are fine. We have common ground here. Our colleague, Roby Brock, who you work with at Talk Business politic and Politics, often talks about two-handed uh, economics. Like on the one hand, there's this. On the other hand, there's this. Right. Let's start with ArcBest. They have a sort of two-handed economic piece of information – that's at talkbusiness.net. Yeah, they um, and for most of 2023, it's been the wrong hand, maybe. But yes, uh, Fort Smith Fort Smith-based ArcBest. They're the parent company. Most folks are probably familiar with ABF Freight. It's a less than truckload carrier. But their full year net income um, was 195 million, which 195.4 million. That's still pretty good money. But it was down 34% compared to last year. The revenue was $4.4 billion. That was down 12% compared to 2022. And what we're seeing, what we're hearing from them really is that, well, I probably should back up a little bit. You remember coming out of 2020 into 2021 and then part of 2022, the global supply chain was just a mess. And so companies like ArcBest that had not, you know, had the carriers, but they also had a logistics side. We're making very good money helping unwind all of the supply chain. There was a lot of demand for logistics and shipping services, and there just wasn't a lot of capacity. So they were able to get good prices for their services and for their equipment. That's largely over. And so you're seeing uh, some folks are using the term freight recession, that there's Mm. more capacity, there's more trucks chasing less demand. And I think there's some of that. I just think we're also – the industry, the shipping and logistics, logistics industry, just kind of coming back to maybe what's uh, really more normal. But 
Um, Art Best talks about a reduced customer demand. They talk about uh, reduced um, money for shipping, and we can kind of see that um, in a few key metrics. Uh, for example, their build revenue per hundred weight, that's a key metric in the sector, was down 2.2% for the year. Their revenue per shipment uh, was down 7.4%, and their overall tonnage uh, was down 2.6%. So um, I don't think anyone's going to feel sorry for ArcBest. They still had a pretty good year considering um, the state of the uh, freight sector, uh, and I still think they're positioned. In fact, a couple of analysts we follow uh, are optimistic about their first quarter or about their uh, results and their conditions in 2024. So just, um, just you know, one one year of kind of normalizing, which brings revenue and income down a little bit. Uh, Going to need some income and revenue to help pay for a wastewater problem that the city of Fort Smith has. Yeah, and we'll see if this is what the problem will cost. But we learned this week, and um, and we just learned this week about a problem that was going on last year, which that's maybe another story that we need to work on. But the city essentially had a um, – I could – it's complicated, but essentially – they had an ammonia nitrogen issue, just too much um, pollutant discharge. It was above limits, above federal limits. And so the Arkansas Department of Environmental Quality, or well, the city really, and the Arkansas Department of Environmental Quality, long story short, agreed to what's called an administrative order in which the city is going to come up with ways to try to fix this issue. It's in, a wa- it's in the wastewater system. One of those proposals uh, suggested by the utilities director is a $25 million Fix it essentially creates more aeration aeration basins to you know dissolve those pollutants. Uh, there may be some other solutions that come out. The city's contracted with Garver, an engineering firm. Uh, that's a hundred forty-five thousand dollar contract. So you know the city is already under this federal consent decree, which is will ultimately cost the city 500 600 7 million 700 million kind of anybody's guess unfortunately so on top of that they have another problem with the wastewater system so we're, we're going to stay on top of it like i said it just kind of dropped in our lap this week so um maybe we should be asking questions about what other mm. system problems are out there that we don't yet know about but maybe should Posted, I believe, yesterday at TalkBusiness.net, the latest tourism ticker that tracks how many tourism dollars are being spent in Arkansas. It's been on a record pace since the pandemic sort of faded, and it continues to do so. Yeah, if you're one of those folks who want to believe that narrative out there that the economy's not doing well, you might not want to look at this story. (laughs) Uh, But yes, the Arkansas tourism industry is still rocking along. It's very healthy. There's a 5% increase in the hospitality tax revenue among the 17 cities we survey, Uh, a 6% increase in Arkansas's 2% tourism tax, and that's up against what were record numbers in 2022 that that a lot of folks thought would just be hard to beat. And then we have a 6.6% increase uh, in the gain in monthly average Arkansas tourism industry jobs. Now, this is between January and October. Uh, the numbers for all the numbers for November and December aren't in yet. We'll probably get those in a couple months. But you know that the tourism industry, which, as we all know, took a significant hit, was hit the worst uh, during COVID. 
has really bounced back. And, um, for example, the tourism sector posted record employment of 133,400 jobs in August and has remained above 130,000 jobs since April. So, again, on the good, if you're looking for some good news out there, um, just find our tourism ticker. It's, it's, um, it's, uh, you'll find it there. And finally, something that is a little bit different for 2024, that's uh, that involving municipal elections that you explain. What is that? Well, so the um, Arkansas General Assembly, our legislators, in their infinite wisdom, passed a law that says every, you know, almost every election needs to be on the November general election ballot. And cities can't do their own thing, which there's a story there in you know, we allegedly have a Republican conservative legislature who believes that, you know, in limited government, except in this case, they're telling local governments how to run their government. But anyway, that's another story. Um, but yes, in the city of Fort Smith, we have always had um, elections and primary systems much uh, cycles much earlier. But this year, um, the and we have four positions, all the ward positions, one through four. Uh, are up for election, and those elections will be held um, in November, along with the general election. The city director filing period for this year is July 31st uh, to noon on August 7th, and then uh, and there'll be no um, election at kind of the way the city used to do it is that if there were more than right. three candidates, they would have a kind of a pre-election election to see who which two goes to the main election. They won't do that now. If they need a runoff, it'll just go with the regular state runoff election that's held in December. So interesting twist. I got to tell you, I knew about it and knew about the legislation passed. But when Tina sent this story, it, it just reminded me. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're doing that later in the year. So hopefully fortunate citizens will read up and know that um, they need to be prepared for there'll be more on their general election ballot um, than maybe they um, were thinking might be on it. And if you've followed politics for any amount of time in Arkansas, it just seems odd not to have city council or mayoral candidates filing, you know, earlier in the year. Yes. And so, but while odd, I guess we need to get used to it, huh? Well, what choice do we have? (laughs) Yeah, right. Michael Tilley is with Talk Business and Politics. You can read about all of these items and many more at talkbusiness.net. All right, Michael. Uh... Beat San Francisco 49ers. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah, I, I, after what San Francisco historically has done to the Cowboys, I cannot root for the 49ers. So, yeah, go Chiefs. Young Si Chu is fascinated by foxes. It is a wily, tricky animal. And one thing that struck me is that you're only a trickster if you don't have much power. And in her new novel, The Fox Wife, a fox shapeshifts to hunt for her daughter's killer. That conversation and the week's news, Saturday on Weekend Edition from NPR News. Weekend Edition, tomorrow, beginning at 7 a.m. A newly formed coalition is exploring ways to make childcare more available and more affordable in Arkansas. More than 30 businesses, nonprofit organizations, and chambers of commerce are working with Excel by 8 to identify solutions to childcare needs. Angela Duran, the executive director of Excel by 8, says the work began with a child care task force formed two years ago that identified tasks to improve child care availability 
for Arkansas families. One of the things we know about um, what it costs, what the price of care is. So in Arkansas, and for an infant or a toddler, so your smallest kids, it's going to cost a family about $7,300 a year. And at the highest quality levels, that's about $10,000 a year. So if you look at someone making the median hourly wage in Arkansas, which is about $18 a year, they would have to spend about a third of their income just to cover, um, I mean, of their wages just to cover care for their for their infant or toddler. So it's crazy. Um, and it's a huge cost to businesses. And so if they are constantly having to refill positions, that's a cost to them. If um, people are having to take off during the week because a child care arrangement breaks down, that is a cost to an employer. So, yes. So if that median salary is $18 an hour and you're spending, what was the percentage again that you'd be? So if. If you were paying for the highest quality care, which right. is about $10,000, it's almost a third of your wages would be going for care for that child. And that's under the assumption that you have one child in child Correct. care. This isn't something that's solved overnight. And that's one of the things the coalition is going to have to work to do, right, is sort of timeline and have a roadmap of how we can make this better in Arkansas. So that initial task force has grown. Um, we have over 30 members now and are adding new members every week right now these days. Um, but we have chambers of commerce. We've got local businesses. Um, we've got some philanthropic leaders in the state as well. And so we're at the moment really working with all of those members and saying, what's happening? What do you need? What are you seeing? What would make this easier for you? And so we are being very intentional about listening. And we want we want champions from all around the state. So we've got St. Bernard's in Jonesboro. We've got Pilgrim's Pride down in Sevier County. We want this to be a statewide coalition that develops a legislative solution that meets their needs. Is it too late for someone hearing about this now to be part of the coalition? Absolutely not. Um, and we can give you our web address so that people can go online and sign up or they can just give us a call or send us an email. We'd love to have them join the coalition. Is this something that is a challenge for parents and businesses statewide? Do you see it more in one region than the other? Um, it really is a statewide problem. I mean, the fact that only 15% of families statewide can find high quality infant and toddler care for their children. Um, I will say in Northwest Arkansas, the problem is, is worse than in some places, but it truly is a statewide problem. And I know that you said it, you know, we are in the <laughs> infancy of this coalition, <laughs> but, but, and you're looking for legislative, um, solutions that can work for most, if not everybody. Is there, even internally, you don't have to share, but is there like a timeline of how soon you want to be able to have a proposal to put in front of lawmakers? Yes, we will be working very um, quickly, but deliberately, um, really over the first half of this year. And I hope by this summer that we'll have a solution um, that, that meets the needs of the many businesses around the state, but is also relevant to the timing of the 2025 legislative session. It's one thing to have the coalition members join in and have like-minded ideas of what they want to see a solution to be. What do you expect the coalition members to do? What, what do you actually have for them as tasks? 
So we know that every person comes to the day the table with different abilities, um, you know, different willingnesses to engage at different levels. So we really have the full continuum of options. You know, you know, first, just you know, do you want to be a member of the coalition? Are you willing to list your name? But we suspect that there will be members that will be willing to go to the legislature to talk to their individual legislator, um, to talk to folks in the governor's office to testify if we need to. And so um, we'll take whatever people are willing to give and in whatever way is most comfortable for them to participate. Arkansas has a very low labor force participation rate. So only about almost 57% of the civilian population is actually working. So there's a lot of untapped potential. And for one of those, I think it is the fact that the cost of childcare versus going to work are, are a tough decision that young families have to make. And so we could get a lot of um, women into the workforce if we'd make some investments in childcare. The other thing I would say is that this is a huge cost to the Arkansas economy. So we're losing almost $900 million a year um, in just cost to businesses because of the turnover, but also lost um, income tax revenue to the state of Arkansas because we don't have people filling those positions. Angela Duran is the executive director of Excel by 8. You can find out more about the coalition at excelby8.net. That's the number 8, excelby8.net. This is Ozarks at Large. The first quarter of the 21st century is delivering a lot of new technology from AI to extended reality. But new technology is not, well, new. There was a time when a butter churn was new. Probably somebody in 6000 B.C. thought it was all downhill now that butter could be churned. An Honors College Signature Seminar next fall on the University of Arkansas campus will allow students to consider technology, new technology, its relationship with art, and its relationship with us. Edmund Harris, assistant professor from the UA's Department of Mathematical Sciences, will co-lead the course. He says he and his co-instructor, Professor Vincent Edwards from the School of Art, are looking forward to the class. We wanted to sort of think about what does technology look like as something native to art as opposed to something being brought in. But then how can we turn that round and look at those modern technologies in that ancient spirit? So give me an example of a, of a newer technology that you're going to try to examine in ancient spirit. So the, the heart of the course will be looking at 3D printing, uh, laser cutting, and CNC. That's where you put a router onto three axes. So it can, you can basically you have a router, and you can tell it exactly where to go. And so instead of moving it around by hand, you're letting the machine guide it. And in all of these, what you do is... The machine then gives you the ability to control physical behavior in software because you can write code which says, how is this machine going to move? And for those machines, the sort of more engineering approach, the traditional approach is generally to write software that controls the output. Because if you're in a production environment, you want your part to be made. You don't really worry too much about how it's being made until you need to get to tight tolerances and things. There are aspects you need to look at. But it's more about how do you get to that manufactured part. So what we want to do is sort of step back and say, well, what, what happens when we ask the machines what they can do? Instead of trying to solve a problem, we say, what questions can you answer? What ideas can you play with? And 
it's sort of curiosity-driven manufacturing. So just like you know, chemistry or physics research often ends up with very productive applications, the core of it is more, let's just understand how chemicals interact, how processes in the physical world behave, and then we'll let the, the applications sort themselves out afterwards. So some of the work will be intensely productive and some of it will be interesting but not as generative. And so that's not something an approach people have taken to a topic like manufacturing, which sort of feels so much in the, the sort of world of productivity. Uh, so sort of step back and say, how can we do manufacturing differently? Um, but it's worth saying for this course, the, the goal is that that's the sort of example. So we will be discussing topics like virtual reality and augmented reality, AI, all these things, uh, and say, what happens when we look at these things as tools mm. and then ask, what, what can those tools do? Is this an appropriate sort of uh, comparison? I can have a needle and thread, and I know how to do it, how to darn a sock. But we have fashion designers who use maybe not needle and thread, maybe sewing machine and thread, or maybe something even beyond that now. You still have to have the creativity. You still have to have the playfulness and the, let's throw, to mix metaphors, let's throw spaghetti against the wall to see how it works. Um, yeah, in some ways. In some ways, uh, yes. I like that. <laughs> um, I, I think the, the, the metaphor is correct, but it's also slightly disparaging. Mm -hmm. Um, we're sort of thinking about, we're not thinking about creativity. Yeah, to, to say throw spaghetti against the wall sort of implies a negative spin that I, I think is... Oh, okay. Uh, you know, we, 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 I think we overestimate generally in society the notion of productivity. Mm -hmm. And so we miss the sort of interesting things that aren't obvious. Um, and I like to think of this, this the sort of famous 80-20 rule that by doing 20% of the effort, you've achieved 80% of the goal. I think there's a sort of flip of that, that when you just ex you try and explore everything, sometimes you, you find very little else in that, the remainder of the work. But sometimes by doing the work more thoroughly, you find things that you were completely missing, things that can revolutionize your understanding. And so when you're trying to solve problems, your goal is to get to a solution. Right. Um, and so, you know, you have a sock, you, you've done it. Mm -hmm. um, you don't think about, and, and so maybe, maybe it's not a sock, maybe it's a shirt that's got ripped. You could initially just fix that, or you could sort of fix it in such a way that you have, you actually end up with a better shirt, thanks to the, the fixing, because of the beautiful way that you added in cloth to, to change it and so on. And so by sort of looking around and seeing these, these points where there's something we're missing, mm -hmm. But this becomes a really hard thing to describe because you don't, if we're missing the things, we don't know what we're missing. That's part of it. And so sometimes you just need to sit down and explore what's, what can happen. And we have a nice example of this that, that sort of relates to the Honors College because so you have the, the curvahedra sculpture that the Honors College has in the courtyard. Um, the technology that we had to create for that artwork to even to make it feasible within the budget we had. Um, that technology uh, came out of Emily Baker and my sort of investigation of just what, how we could cut and make things with metal. Um, that then got used in an art 
space to actually make something. And that then gave us the understanding and control of a technology. If you like. We created a technology, which is this form of cutting metal pieces, welding them together so you get these curved beams. Mm -hmm. We've then, since then, worked with a team at MIT to create um, uh, formwork for optimized concrete beams. So the notion of optimized concrete beams, this is a slight aside, but that's if, if I take a nice block boxy concrete beam, that's not an efficient use of material because it has too much strength in some places and could do with more strength in others. So if I take material away from some places where I don't need as much strength, put it into other places, I can use less material and get a beam which has the same strength. Um, but this requires the ability to create not just an easy box, but weird shapes. Right. Um, and so along with uh, uh, Mohammed Ishmael at MIT, we worked on using the technology we developed for an artwork to create formwork for optimized concrete beams. And the, the important thing there was how easy it was to make the formwork because you didn't need a lot of high tech uh, solutions, you could do it. And he was interested in how do you make optimized concrete beams uh, accessible in the global south, in particular, he was interested in North Africa, uh, Middle East, and India, where you don't necessarily have the high tech, the most high tech tools. Um, and so a lot of it is sort of taking taking what you have, and then seeing what it can do. And sometimes in doing that, you find a solution you wouldn't have come across by going directly to a problem. You need to have that exploration time, that time to get control, and then the control allows you to say, oh, well, we can just do that. Collaboration, I mean, we're talking about technology, but there's also a mindset, there's also a, a sort of spirit or approach in collaboration. I think of Thomas Edison, who would get focused on a solution to a problem, mm. and other inventors would take of contemporary inventors would take some of his work and take it in a whole different place. He wasn't always happy with that, but they were able to figure some things out, whether it was with a whole different discipline than he was even looking at. Yeah, and, and that's really at the heart of the spirit of this, because it's, um, I'm not teaching this on my own. I'm, I'm teaching with Vincent Edwards, and I, you know my background is in mathematics. I, I'm, I can do the coding. I can sort of think about spaces and potentials of things. But I don't. I can come up with spaces that you can sort of can be creative, and see that there's a richness to that. But I don't know what the good stuff within that space is. Vincent comes in with a background in furniture making and fine art, uh, building amazing artwork um, with wood, but using the CNC machines, and say the collaboration is sort of creating these worlds, and then he has the sort of experience to, and the material knowledge. And I think for, the, for students taking the course, that's part of one of the things that's offered is just you get to have two weeks to work with two people who have this, this, this knowledge and Hands this on. idea. And um, we're actively not scheduling the second week. So the first week we'll, have, we'll work through some things and then we'll all meet on the first Saturday and as a group work out what is it that they specifically want from us for the second week. And hopefully we'll have some crazy ideas that don't work. Oh. Uh, interesting failure is one of my favorite uh, things and it's sort of necessary for this sort of course. What I think is so 
exciting for you and Vincent and the students is is that it's um, it's inter, it's an interdisciplinary class, right? You're going to have honors college students from all parts of the campus, yeah. but also they're young. And I'm I'm tiptoeing to, towards ageism here, which I'm 60, so maybe I can do that. But but I think you've got these much more open minds in your class who, as we get older, we tend, generalization, to think, oh, new technology is scary, or it's not the way it used to be. You're not going to have, perhaps, those barriers with this class. Um, well, yeah, I, I, certainly for myself, the, 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 the changing in ideas that I was maybe excited about uh, in my 20s, I now look far more skeptically. Um, <laughs> I, you know, and of course, we rationalize this and say, well, I'm right to be skeptical because look at how the technology and those arguments are not necessarily false. So I would say that one of the things I hope is that the students who come in you know, can have art and creative students. You can have sort of technological students, but also students from the humanities who can bring in a, bring in a skepticism. So sort of asking, well, why should we do it this way? You know, We've got this high-tech solution to a problem, but you can do the same thing with a far simpler mm -hmm. thing. And that's also where I think like, digital manufacturing has often been separated um, from just the, the workshop. And you know, there are many tools that you can do on something like a CNC router, but a table saw is a far better tool to, to, to achieve that. So partly it's sort of getting excited and asking what new tools can do, but also skepticism from the tool use, but also this is where the humanities would come in. Sort of skepticism, what, you know, what is the social impact of these things? How do they change how society is and how can we think about them now so that those changes are not as um, bad or you know, so the, the worst impacts of these things we can move to the more exciting things. There are exciting things and there are negative things. The debate on AI is a really interesting one because of the level of negative stories that are coming out. And I don't think that's just us being old men. <laughs> and yeah, so, so I think the, there's, there's, you want the excitement and the cynicism together uh, and, and being willing to be persuaded but also, I think there's an old saying that when, when an old expert in a science tells you something can't be done, you ignore them. But when they tell you something can be done, you really listen. Edmund Harris is an associate professor at the University of Arkansas. Next fall, he'll co-lead the Honors College Seminar Technology Craft with Professor Vincent Edwards from the School of Art. They're also going to host a preview lecture that's open to the public Monday evening at 515 in Gearhart Hall on the UA campus. This is Ozarks at Large. Let's check in with Becca Martin-Brown, who is the arts and entertainment editor at the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. She's at her office in Bella Vista. Becca, we've had some warm weather this week. I'm happy about that. I'm ready to do something. Give me some ideas. Okay. Do you remember, I bet you did this, when you were a little kid and you pulled the blankets up over your head and you had a flashlight or something to read your book? Yeah. I, I, I don't think I act... To be honest, I didn't have to pull the blanket up over my head, but I'd keep a, a small lamp on. And uh, if I could hear my parents coming down, I would click the lamp off quickly so they thought <laughs> I wasn't still awake. Because that's how we got out of the small towns we grew up in. Right? right, right. Well, now we're big people. 
and we can go do stuff. And so the theme this week is going to do stuff that lets you like travel in time and space. And it starts with Becca mispronouncing every Hindi word in front of her. We can say this. I know you're, where you're going. It's presented by Rave Cultural Foundation. And the event is called Yuva Utsav, which mm-hmm. translates to Youth Festival. And it happens tomorrow in Bentonville. And they're bringing in four performers who are going to do, young performers, obviously, who are going to do traditional Indian dance, traditional Indian violin, called Carnatic Violin, and traditional Indian percussion, which I'm not going to attempt to pronounce the word for. This week, I had two of the violinists performing Carnatic music and uh, a young percussionist in the Furman Garner Performance Studio, and it was fantastic. You can walk in to the record in Bentonville at 5 o'clock tomorrow, and for $12, you can go to India. Or on the 17th, you can go to Northern Ireland, kind of, but to the imaginary University of Wonder and Imagination. Ah, yes, um, the Cahoots. The Cahoots. They're from Belfast, Northern Ireland. It's interactive theater that they started during the pandemic. And the premise is that they're going to take you to the University of Wonder and Imagination, which sounds a whole lot like Hogwarts. In addition to this, this is part of the Fam Jam Saturday program at the Jones Center in Springdale. So for the $10 ticket, you also get a movement class in the morning, free ice skating, and free swimming, and then at 2 o'clock you go to the show. How about a different time in the world? Sure. Coming the 17th to the Skokos Performing Arts Center in Alma is a show called Dinosaur World Live. They're puppets, obviously, but they have a storyline. The storyline is that they visit with their friend Miranda, who's the daughter of paleontologists, and grew up surrounded by dinosaurs on a faraway island off the coast of South America. And this is in Alma, downtown Alma. This is in Alma at the High School Performing Arts Center, the Skokos Performing Arts Center. So Dinosaur World Live happens at 4 and 7 on the 17th. Tickets start at $20 at Skokos, S-K-O-K-O-S-P-A-C dot org. Or climb into a comic strip. Depending on the one, I'm all game. The Fort Smith Little Theater is doing your Good Man Charlie Brown, which is a musical. It opens on the 15th. All the kids you know are there, including Schroeder and Charlie Brown and Linus and that dog that we all know. Mm-hmm. The show continues through February 25th at Fort Smith Little Theater. Tickets are $15 except opening night, which is 20 And if you've never been to Fort Smith Little Theater, it is this absolutely beautiful, intimate little theater space. So when I say crawl into the comic strip, I'm not kidding. (laughs) You'll be right there. The Noble Eight Lion Dance Group is doing a Lunar New Year celebration at 1030 on February 17th at the Fort Smith Library. Check out the calendar today on the Friday What's Up page in the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Oh, Oh, check out Sunday's What's Up magazine, Mm -hmm. because the cover has Travis Kelsey on it. Oh, Super Bowl Sunday, and Travis Kelsey, of course, the greatest tight end to ever play football, will be playing for the Kansas City Tackle football team. 
and the most famous boyfriend in the world right now. That is correct. This that is, is absolutely true. This is a comic book. The guy who wrote it is director of student services or something at the school in Springfield. Mm-hmm. And this is like his hundredth biographical comic book. Who knew? Didn't know there was such a thing. Uh, oh, hey, where can people find what we've been talking about? They can find what's up in the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette, which still exists in a paper form on Sunday. They can find it online at nwaonline.com, or they can find the magazine in the replica edition online. So it looks just like the one printed on a piece of paper, but it's right there on your computer screen. Becca Martin-Brown, the arts and entertainment editor at the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Talk to you next Friday, Becca. This is new music from the Northwest Arkansas-based band Statehouse Electric. The song, King of Fools, one of two new tunes the band now making available. Recently, Tim Patterson, Corey Post, and Paul McGowan from Statehouse Electric came to the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio to discuss the music. I told them King of Fools was the kind of honky-tonk song I used to scour for in the back room of KTLO when I was a country DJ in the 1980s. That song and I hope this is taken the right way, is grade A, 100% great country music. Uh, yeah, how can we take that the wrong way? Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, that was, uh, so like you, we've delved through billions of old recordings, and I think the impetus for writing that was just, why not, if you want one just like you want it, just go ahead and make it, you know, instead of digging through. So um, that was intended to be a, a classic honky-tonk song. What is it, an empty glass, an empty stool? Empty bottle, empty stool. Empty yeah. bottle, empty stool. That's a great line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks. Uh, yeah, the other ones in there that I like uh, are also a throwback to, um, so it's like a 50s era, late, early 60s, where people didn't have uh, feelings or didn't express them. They would say, my shoes are walking back to you or my heart is beating, but they wouldn't say it's me. You know, They would just blame it on their body parts so like there's some some of that in that song as well just from the from the ground up it's intended to be a honky-tonk song with not a lot of uh, hidden meaning Eric Woodhens was the producer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Eric Woodhens at uh, Homestead Recording uh, engineered, mixed, and mastered the songs. And did you, a great job. Are you in the room together or, are you in, or separate studios? We're all We're in all one room, room um, a one bit of a distance, it, you know, so they could separate out the instruments and mix them accordingly. But uh, we could definitely, it was a little bit like playing in your living room. How many times did you play it together before you went into the studio? Not a lot. That that was a pretty. Both of these songs were pretty new before we went in. I would say fewer than ten, maybe. I mean, not a lot. Yeah, I think I think we played both of them live, but these days it doesn't take us long to debut a song 
lives. So, uh, yeah, we hadn't, they hadn't been overworked, which is important, I think. And the second single that's just been released? Uh, yeah, what, I can't remember what we landed on for a name. Um, this will bring you back. Is that what we call bring, it? Bring, bring you, you back. back. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> bring you back. That one came together, and then Corey sings it, um, which was which was nice. I tried, and then when he did it, I said, "It's you all the way." <laughs> I was very very flattered. <laughs> what did I you like it. about Corey's voice? Because I love it too. Uh, well, he can carry it. It's a slower song, and uh, you know, I'm I'm maybe more comfortable if I get to clip each word and keep moving. But Corey's got a little more there. What is it like to be with musicians you respect, you get along with, you you see? ear to ear with, I guess. <laughs> I mean, what is that evolution like where you just feel comfortable with each other? Uh, well, it's almost impossible when you don't. I mean, it's, it's almost a prerequisite for, in, in, in my experience, for getting things done. I'm, I'm sure other people have other experiences, but it, it just doesn't work otherwise for me. The project won't hang together. So these two came together pretty quickly. Does that mean you're in kind of right now a, a burst? Uh, you know, they, a burst just happens and then you got to wait for the next one, I guess, right? <laughs> um, there, there are more to come. Yeah, we have a few others that are, um, that are well, some that we have recorded that we'll probably do again. Um, we're doing kind of things on our own, and I think it really helped a lot to be in the studio with Eric, um, kind of have somebody else listening and helping us put things together. I mean, uh, you know, Paul wrote the song. We, we arranged it, but having him in there really helped a lot. We we could kind of stand back and not worry so much about all the minutia that kind of drags us down, that, that feels imperfect. I think hearing somebody else thinking, that sounds great, um, we could sort of accept what was there. Where can folks download the songs? Uh, statehouseelectric.com. Uh, songs are also on SoundCloud and all the major streaming services. Eventually, when we get enough songs recorded, do physical media, but we haven't done that. Uh, where can we see you soon? Uh, we're going to have some shows. We're uh, In the spring, as a trio, we're going to do a fair amount of um, shows that should be kind of different than what we've been doing. Um, and then uh, well, I'm sure we'll be booking some more of the country dance kind of gigs that we've been doing as well. Yeah, so we've been operating as a five-piece for the last couple of years, and we're going to continue to do that. Uh, we've been playing dances at the American Legion Hall here in Fayetteville, and those are an absolute blast and uh, a real joy to do. Uh, so we're going to continue that, but we've going to try to maybe hit it a little harder this spring as a, as a three-piece and, and, and just get out there more. But our first gig we have on the books right now is May at God of Hole Brewing in, uh, in Eureka Springs. Tim Patterson, Corey Post, and Paul McGowan from Statehouse Electric came to the Carver Center for Public Radio earlier this month. Their new singles are titled King of Fools and Bring You Back. This is Ozarks at Law.
few minutes of discovered companionship now. KUAF's mobile listening lab was at Butterfield Trail Village in Fayetteville last week to talk with couples about togetherness, including Grace and Frank. They met at Butterfield Trail, a retirement village. They're not married, but they spend much valuable time together. My dog's name is Ginger, and that's kind of how we hooked up because um, he loves dogs and I love dogs. And so I would sit out on the bench outside walking Ginger, and then I'd sit down, and then he'd he'd come by every day and start a conversation. So that's how we, nine years ago, how we started hitting it off. Hitting it off. Hitting it off, and it was just fun. But the favorite place we like to be together is on walks. There's a trail behind Butterfield, and we walk twice a day, sometimes twice a day. Sometimes twice a day to Panera, but usually, one, well, usually once a day, 6.30 in the morning, go there, have a drink or coffee, or she does, eat breakfast, come back, and we've got the rest of the day to do whatever. But that one walk a day is, uh, starts, us off, starts us off. As far as television goes, when we're in her apartment, she watches the most ridiculous shows show that's where three one couple looks at three houses and they have to decide what house they want now who the hell cares house hunters international yeah house hunters international stupid show that channel is the only one she watches other than a news channel if i turn on a an old uh Johnny Carson show, which I used, I love. I watched every Johnny Carson show there was, and and before him, and after him, and I like that show. The first fifteen minutes is his dialogue or prologue, whatever dialogue, and he tells jokes, and it's funny. It was funny then, and if I don't remember it, it's funny now. She does. She thinks that's crude. So the thing that really got me upset. <laughs> One time, I was watching a Razorback basketball game in his apartment, and it was still on. And at 9 o'clock, he switched it to Johnny Carson, you know, some 30-year-old show with Johnny Carson. And I was not a happy camper. If it's a joke you've never heard before, a joke is a joke. It's funny, <laughs> so it's funny now. We have disagreements about what to watch on television because I – anyway, but we work through it. But I'm, he calls me Nurse Nellie. His he, nurse yeah, now. she's my nurse now. She made all the con- all the connections for my trip to Little Rock and, my God, how to get there, where we're going to stay, and all this other stuff that goes along with it. And I'm just amazed and thankful for that because so, I wouldn't have done it. I would have said, screw it, I'll just stay here. He would have given up, and I don't give up. She never gives up. Never. I never give up. And give her a, commu- a computer, something to look up on the computer, and she'll be at it, and be at it, be at it, be at it, be at it, be at it. I say, well, let's just go. No, get away, get away. <laughs> and eventually, an hour later, see, I told you, and she comes up with the right answer. But I care about him, and I don't want him to, well, you know, just get a rinky-dink treatment. I want to find out the latest and greatest, which one of our residents told us about. And so... It's happening. We're going to go down to Little Rock on Tuesday and hopefully make it happen because we ended up being on a television program because he had gotten notice that in two weeks they were going to quit his feeding tube supplies. And I called the local television channel and I was furious that someone that lives on that, you know, 
would not have it accessible. So we they invited us to come and tell our story on television, and we have he has all the feeding tube stuff he needs. Yeah. So I'm a fighter, <laughs> and he appreciates that. I think. Yeah. After a while, I'll quit, but she she never she never does. Grace and Frank recorded recently at Butterfield Trail Village as part of the KUAF Mobile Listening Lab visit there. Our Listening Lab administrator is Emerson Alexander. The lab, a possibility thanks to funding from the Walmart Foundation, creating community in northwest Arkansas through bridging and belonging initiative. You can learn more at listeninglabkuaf.com. A team led by researchers at the University of Arkansas will use a $5 million grant to continue development of an artificial intelligence program helping small farms. The award from the National Science Foundation's Convergence Accelerator will help the UA team further develop Cultivate IQ. A press release from the university indicates the AI program's goals include strengthening the resiliency of regional food systems. The Arkansas-based core of the team includes eight researchers at the University of Arkansas. It also includes researchers from multiple other land-grant universities. The Arkansas Museum of Fine Arts in Little Rock will host an opening reception for the new exhibition, Action, Abstraction, Redefined, Modern Native Art, 1940s to 1970s, next week. The member night preview is Thursday night, and then the opening weekend is scheduled to begin one week from today, Friday February 16th. The exhibition is described by museum officials as the first major traveling exhibition to analyze modern Native American art in relation to abstract expressionism. In March, there will be an artist talk associated with the exhibition, and a dance performance is scheduled for April 27th at the museum. More information can be found at arcmfa.org, arkmfa.org. The Ozark, Na- uh, the Ozark Nature Science Center in Huntsville is offering a spring break overnight camp for children ages 8 to 14. This is taking place during spring break. The camp will last from March 18th through the 21st. It will include both day and night hikes, as well as team building games and small group activities. Cost of the camp, according to the registration form at the center's website, is $400. The curriculum at the camp is correlated with national and state science learning standards. You can find out more by searching the web for Ozark Nature Science Center. Again, it's located in Huntsville. Live Radio Theater is returning to Eureka Springs. You might recall we talked with organizers of the Eureka Springs Theater Company in December. This was just before the premiere staging of their holiday-related radio plays performed in front of a live audience. Well, they're back next week on Thursday, February 15th, this time with another set of radio plays. The staging is going to take place again at Base Camp Event Venue. Doors will open Thursday night at 5.30. Small plates and refreshments will be available. If you'd like more information, you can search Facebook for Base Camp Event Venue. (music) 
This weekend on the Vinyl Hour, KUAF's very own Matthew Moore sits down with us to talk about music he is playing for his new son and how he hopes to help baby James build a new musical foundation. So that, that's kind of where I come at this with this idea of songs that can double as lullabies, songs that are safe for him to listen to or comforting, but also are like informative. That airs this Saturday at 5 on KUAF. Monday on Ozarks at Large, Interform is preparing for the next staging of NWA Fashion Week. Project Runway designers that are going to be showcasing on that night. So that's really exciting that we're um, showcasing designers who were on a show that was nationally, you know, televised. So we're really excited about that part. And we're just trying to um, gauge interest and show people what we've been working on. A burgeoning fashion culture continues to grow and we'll learn more. On Monday's Ozarks at Large, you can always find our show at your favorite podcast platform at OzarksAtLarge.com or at KUAF.com. And you can hear the most recent edition of our show by just asking your smart speaker to please play Ozarks at Large. And we have enough time left on this Friday edition of our program to share a Friday favorite. We ask some of our guests for a recommendation when we talk with them, a recommendation that we can share with you then later. This week's Friday favorite was gathered when I was collecting comments about the Curate Course Entrepreneurship Project designed to guide local farm, food, and hospitality small businesses on how to grow. Mallory Files, the owner of Ozark Charcuterie, one of the members of the cohort, gave us her favorite pairing. My favorite sweet food pairing is brie, honey, and a butter cracker. I'm in. It's so good. A lot of people don't know about the wonderful joy that is brie and honey and what it does in your mouth. It's so delicious. But make sure the brie is room temperature when you eat it. It's so much better that way. My favorite savory pairing is a harvest wheat cracker, a sweet and spicy pickle, and extra sharp cheddar. It is mm. to die for. So good. I actually served that at Bite NWA this past year um, at the LPGA tournament, and it was a huge hit. You can hear our story about Curate courses right now at OzarksAtLarge.com or at KUAF.com. Ozarks at Large is a production of 91.3 KUAF, Fayetteville, a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. Contributors to this Friday edition of our program included Michael Tilley with Talk Business and Politics, Becca Martin-Brown from the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette, and Emerson Alexander, our administrator of the KUAF Listening Lab. Our theme is titled The First Hurrah. It is written and performed by Daryl Sean. Daryl's most recent solo CD of guitar work is titled Still Here. Our director of community engagement is Jasper Logan. I'm Kyle Kellums. Thanks so much for being with us. Have a great weekend. Beat the 49ers. Theater Squared presents What the Constitution Means to Me, Heidi Schreck's reimagining of how this living document impacted four generations of women and what it means for the future of America. A New York Times critic's pick and a Pulitzer Prize finalist. This play is on stage through March 3rd, 777-7477 or theater2.org for tickets.